0: It's time for episode 33 of the Clockwise podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded April 16, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast lost in time like tears in the rain. I'm your co-host, Dan Moore, and I'm joined, as always, across the table by my co-host, Jason Snell.
0: Hi, Dan. How's it going? It's going pretty well.
1: I thought you would have liked my, my intro there. The uh, That's a Roy I know, Batty. I know. Awesome. I know. I know you're a big fan. Not of him personally, because he's, you know, sadistic and, and psychotic, but you know.
0: I'm not stuff. a huge Blade Runner fan, but I am a big fan of that speech. So I, That's all I was shooting for, mm-hmm. really.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, so, and we are joined, as always, by two knowledgeable and lovely guests uh, to my left... We have Tech Hive Senior Editor, Susie Oaks. Hi, Susie.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you.
0: Good to have you. And to my virtual left, it's Macworld Senior Editor, Dan Frakes. We have two Dans today. Hi, Dan. Number two. Number Hi, F. Dan.
3: Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason.
0: Hi, Susie. <laughs> Everybody's Dan. That's fine. Hello, Dan. Just say, Dan, you might be right. 50, 50 chance of yeah, calling yeah. somebody Dan, you might be right.
3: The them. number F,
1: Jason.
0: The, the number, number F. F. It's, it's hexadecimal. What are you talking about?
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, so uh, basically, in case you're tuning in for the first time, the way Clockwise works is this. We've each brought a technology topic that we think is worth discussing today. And because we do not want to waste anybody's time, we're limiting discussion of each topic to just five minutes. So uh, because I am your wonderful and gracious co-host today, I shall go first with an interesting story that I saw um, the other day. Uh, about Microsoft Windows Phone 8.1 actually being able to recognize and sort of digest passbook cards, Uh, those cards that Apple has sort of rolled out in iOS that let you do things like get your boarding pass or uh, save your like frequent shopper card or even make purchases places like Starbucks. Um, Because I think those things are basically HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um Microsoft apparently has found a way to just sort of not exactly hijack it but like you know you can tap on the button on a website and have it show up in your Microsoft wallet. I think this is awesome for everybody involved. Microsoft gets the benefit because they get to sort of piggyback on what Apple's doing. Apple gets the benefit of having more people who are using Passbook, which helps sort of cement it further as a standard. And consumers win because it means there's more stuff that they can use. Um, it's a little more standardized. I don't know. So I, I'm, as far as I can tell, this is sort of unofficial, but it got me thinking about Are there's so many opportunities here for sharing these sort of proprietary technologies. I mean, could we see this go further to things like FaceTime or iMessage? Uh, I don't know, What, what do you guys think about something like that, Susie?
2: Um, I'm Cross-platform iMessage would be amazing. Um, it's basically what's keeping me from switching from iOS to Android. I've, you know, dabbled in Android a few times. I like a lot of things about it. But a few things like iMessage and AirPlay are keeping me really locked into iOS right now. So if those could break out, that would be really, really great. I don't know. Um, it's kind of cool that this didn't come from Apple, that other, you know, places, just uh, other companies are c- kind of trying to worm their way in. That's really neat, and if they could do that with AirPlay, and I could start, you know, shooting AirPlay uh, audio from my Android phone to my Apple TV, I think you can do it with a couple of apps. But yeah, more more of that, please. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I I uh, don't think if you walked up to somebody at Apple and said, "Hey, I'm ready to drop the iPhone. All I need is for you to make yeah. iMessage <laughs> cross-platform. Help me I'm out, not- Apple." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that they would go for that. I'd probably uh, and that's, not. I mean, the good news is if you want iMessage um, that works across, you could, there are lots of different options. You can download Line. You can download BlackBerry Messenger. I mean, there are lots of different options for things. WhatsApp. I hear that's popular with the kids. Uh, you could you could do that. But I, I was thinking of um, AirPlay and uh, Miracast connectivity. That would be nice because a lot of devices now. The Amazon's new box supports something called Miracast, which is basically. Um, it's basically airplay for things that aren't Apple. And it would be kind of cool if those became interoperable so that I could play from my Apple device to uh, the Amazon box. And likewise, an Android phone could play to an Apple TV. I think that that would probably give Apple I think that would be net better for Apple rather than net worse for Apple, like Susie's suggestion, which <laughs> is like, let's we let's all leave. But um I, I think it would be nice. Uh, if they did that, so that that's one thing uh, I would say. And then FaceTime, you know, they promised that FaceTime would be yeah, an open right. standard, <laughs> and it's really a shame. But I think there's some patent issues at work there, which is why that that's not that's not happening. But I'm going to go with uh, uh, Miracast and uh, and AirPlay. That I'd like to see some uh, connectivity there.
3: Yeah, I'd say instead of instead of our addition to Miracast is a DNLA, which so many devices on the non Apple side have, like home re- home audio receivers. Um, home video systems to stream audio and video. And so that's the standard I'd like to see open up a little bit, that and AirPlay so they're cross-compatible. That would be nice. Um, I think the nice thing about Apple's implementation of Passbook right now is that you can push updates. So for example, last time I was on, on, I was on a, a plane flight, I was waiting for my flight and my Passbook, I looked down and there was a notification and it actually updated in Passbook. And right now, Microsoft and these other companies that are sort of scraping Passbook don't get that functionality. And I, I'd like to see Apple make that a standard. Because like Dan said, right now there's, there's a lot of good stuff for Passbook, but there's a lot of stuff that is just screaming out for Passbook integration. And if, I think if, if it worked on all the platforms, people would be more willing to use it. So I'd like to see on Passbook probably first and foremost before any of the other ones because I like Passbook and want to use it more.
1: Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword because, you know, you've got what Susie's saying, like I would consider switching if it were only for that. But you've also got people who would think, well, I don't want to switch from Android to an iPhone because I can't take, you know, my messaging contacts with me as easily. Importing that stuff into iMessage is harder, whereas if you sort of used it, if Apple could use it as a way to entice people like, hey, it works on your platform, but if you ever decide to switch to an iOS device, it's right there. You don't need to do anything. Um, Taking that kind of approach, I think, you know, especially because there are so many people who are like diehard Android people, it's like, you're not losing those people as customers, right? Because they were never going to buy an iOS device, but maybe you could entice them down the line if there's some things that work and makes the whole experience of transitioning just easier and easier. So it would be cool not holding my breath, but yeah. Susie, you got a topic for us?
2: Yeah. Um, I've been watching Silicon Valley on HBO, and I was wondering what you guys thought of it. Jason's wrote written some uh, cool recaps for TechHive, so um, I kind of got some of his opinion already, but I want to see what everybody else thinks of the characters and the jokes and if it's funny, if you care. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I'm I'm going to make that really hard by passing because I've not seen any of it, but I will I'm say from what I've heard, um, I've it, it seems like an interesting show. Silicon Valley, the whole like the 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 culture there seems like one of those things that is ripe for. Some sort of mockery. Um, I've heard very, very like differing opinions on how well this show does that. Um, But, you know, I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco and the surrounding areas, and it is kind of crazy the intense stratification of like how distinct that pocket of people, like tech people and people working in the startup industry, like. They seem almost divorced from reality at times in ridiculous ways. Oh, yeah, you know, I'll just send somebody out like on my iPhone to get me cupcakes at like midnight because I can. So I I think it's a really interesting area for that. But I haven't seen the show, so I can't comment on that directly.
3: Yeah, I I should probably say the same thing. I haven't seen it either. I I should be watching it since I actually live in Silicon Valley. And I probably see some of these very types of people every day. It's you, Dan. uh, You're on the show. But uh, but yeah, I have n- I've not had a chance to watch it yet.
2: The the, the the pilot is on YouTube, and then the second one is only on HBO. So the pilot kind of sets everything up, but then um, in the second one, you're sort of getting to know the characters a little more. Um, I think a lot of the background stuff is hilarious. Like the CEO of the company that's supposed to be like Google is wearing those toe shoes. And there's all these kind of like set dressing jokes that are really, really funny. But sometimes the actual jokes and the dialogue and the plot don't live up to that. So it's been a little...
3: So, for those weird. of you who've seen it, do you have to be in the tech industry to get these jokes? Is it really sort of an insider show?
0: No, I don't think so. I think no? I think it helps, but it's more like I recognize it more. But I think I, I mean, it is trying to be a broad comedy. And in fact, I, I my one of my two pieces that I've written so far on Tech I was um, was definitely how do you satirize the almost unsatirizable? Like it is its own satire. So because the things that happen in Silicon Valley are so crazy. Uh, in in the actual place, that how can the TV show... I mean, you can just restate the craziness. Is, is the answer just make a reality show about it? Well, no, they tried that, and that was really, that was really bad.
2: really bad. But it actually had more women-speaking characters than yes. the ones in yes. Silicon Valley. So far, we've heard women speak who are an assistant and a stripper, and... Um, That's it? Oh, man, there was one... No, there was one more at the very end. Uh... uh.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not. It's clearly a not memorable good. character. It's yeah, not, not, it's not. did a really memorable. good job. Oh, a there.
2: bank teller. Sorry, yes, oh, well, the bank, well, teller. Yes.
0: Yeah. Hey, bank teller. You got a bank teller
2: still in Silicon Valley?
0: Oh, right, because he tries to cash the check and they want business information, and he's proven that he's a uh, completely clueless about all things business. And the bank teller is a woman, but she—that's she's like a day player. So yeah, yeah. no, the, the sexism in—I feel like they're not satirizing the sexism in Silicon Valley so much as. They could, and it is troubling to me that the that there's only one uh, rec- regular woman character, and she's the assistant to the billionaire. Um, even though that may be a, an accurate portrayal of a lot of startup culture, it still bothers me. And I'm I'm as I'm watching them, I'm keeping an eye on it. I find it entertaining. I think there's some laugh out loud moments. I do think. Um, it's, uh, I can see why it would be polarizing. I don't think it's fantastic, but I think it's got some of that Mike Judge office space kind of flavor. This is Mike Judge who did King of the Hill and Office Space uh, and Idiocracy did this. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's entertaining enough for me to – I would keep watching it, I think, anyway uh, if I wasn't writing recaps for Tech hive about it. But it's uh, it's not – fantastic but it's uh it's got some funny moments and and uh lots of references that people who pay attention to tech industry culture will get and um and find funny so yeah all right i guess we should move on to my topic which is amazon bought another company (laughs) um this is comiXology they bought last week uh, it it's it comes after they have bought over the years a lot of companies that are still around they don't swallow them whole it seems so your uh, IMDb's and Audibles and Woots Zappos uh, Zappos exactly those are all Amazon companies now and what they seem to do when they buy a company is kind of bring the the intelligence of that company to bear to make Amazon better and to add a lot of links. Uh, not like hyperlinks, but also like connections between Amazon's data and the data that's available. So there are a lot of audible Amazon links now that wouldn't have been there otherwise, but all those companies still um, operate on their own. And so Comixology, which is the leading comic book digital retailer is now going to be an Amazon company. Amazon's comic book strategy has not been great. Uh, Their reader is passable, but it's not, it's not really good. Um, At the same time, Comixology reaches a much more of a fan audience and Amazon reaches a really broad audience. So I'm mildly optimistic about comiXology not being destroyed by Amazon. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think Amazon's big strategy is? Not just with these purchases, but with everything they're doing. And do you think that that what, the directions Amazon is going in are, are good or bad? And Dan Frakes, we just went counterclockwise the last time, which is very confusing. Dan Frakes, we'll start with you this time. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, I think their strategy is to be the one place people go to buy everything. Uh, I mean, they're they're, they're picking up shoes, they're picking up technology, they're picking up any kind of books and media and MP3s and video. I mean, and as an Amazon customer and a Prime subscriber, it kind of works. I mean, I know that nowadays, if I want to buy something, the first place I look is on Amazon. So I can't really fault them for that. And I have to say that As opposed to Google, which tends to buy things and then kill them, it seems like. Um, I like the fact that Amazon buys Zappos and then just says, you can still be Zappos. Just do what you're doing. Um, Because it makes me feel like when a company gets bought by Amazon, it might be a good thing for everybody involved.
1: Yeah, it seems like they have a real interest in buying companies that people like. Um, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and then not really messing with it because they realize what people like about it. And uh, Dan, your point about contrasting that to Google is perfect because Google seems to have a, a history of buying companies and then not really knowing what to do with them and then eventually sort of shrugging their shoulders and a lot of times kind of giving up on it or melding them into some other product, right, so they can sort of suck the marrow out of it. Um, Amazon, yeah, I don't know what their overarching strategy is because if you look at all those purchases, they're incredibly disparate in terms of you know what they do. you know. A, a a company like Zappos or Audible, uh, you know, they're very different. Audible, you know, in Comicsology at least sort of have a synergy with Amazon, which started out in books, right? So there's a media angle there, um, and I think that there's a uh, there's a lot to be gained from those which have very key audiences behind them. Like Comixology, I think, had a really great base. And that's something that Amazon was lacking, I think. I don't think they were probably doing as well in digital comics as Comixology or maybe even Apple was doing. Um, And they might be able to take advantage of some of that infrastructure, yeah. But overall, it does seem like I think Jeff Bezos may just be a guy who admires a well-thought-out, well-run company and wants to learn from that and sort of take what they can learn from that and shovel it back into Amazon to make Amazon even better. And it's, it works for them pretty well so, for the most part so far. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes next.
2: Yeah, I don't really read comics, so I'm not sure how appropriate the purchase is. But I know that Amazon is putting out hardware now to try to push their content ecosystems. We just reviewed the Amazon Fire TV, which puts all Amazon's video and TV content just front and center um, when you search, it, it only shows you Amazon content, basically. And there's those cool bundles. Like I'm a Prime subscriber, so I get all the um, Prime Instant Video. And um, I haven't used this because I don't have a Kindle Fire tablet. But they're also bringing it to Fire TV, which is um, Kindle Free Time, which is kind of an all-you-can-eat content subscription for kids that gives them apps and games and books. So maybe the Comicsology purchase could fit in there and could you know sweeten that pot a little bit because um, I. I think that they they really love it when people subscribe to those all you can eat plans
1: oh man it would be great to see an amazon prime equivalent of the marvel unlimited sort of thing with like where you could i don't think they'll do that but it <laughs> yeah, would be they, cool they don't
0: own the content though right, right they have to sure. they have to pay for that right. from uh, whereas marvel owns it and they can make their own product but right uh, but i mean they don't own yeah.
1: this they don't own the video content on prime either right they have to
0: make deals with all the studios there right. too could be interesting right. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's an interesting point. What if they made deals with uh, all the comic publishers?
1: They have a thing now where they give away some Kindle books for free every month. Maybe they they might leverage into that free comic, couple free comic titles every month to get
0: you interested. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Well, I, I I'm um, I realize I I write so much about Apple that I I lose track of uh, sometimes how I also use lots of Google services and I use Amazon all the time. I am definitely in Amazon's ecosystem about as much as I'm in Apple's ecosystem. So I'm intrigued to see where they go, and I love the fact that they buy these companies and they don't just shut them down and strip them for parts. As an owner of a, a squeeze box, which got bought by Logitech and destroyed and shut down. As an owner of Ultimate Ears Headphones, which got bought by uh logitech again and ruined um i like it when uh when a company uh, buys a product and actually recognizes its value and keeps it around instead of uh messing up and maybe uses their resources to make it better by uh you know being able to make other deals and improve its technology and in this case i think comiXology is actually going to improve amazon's technology which is kind of funny anyway it's dan frakes turn dan what do you have for us
3: so I'm just gonna talk about travel tech. So I've been traveling a lot recently, mostly short weekend trips, the kind of trips where you wanna take as little stuff as possible so you can squeeze everything into you know your carry-on bag and your pack. Um, so as a tech editor, of course, I bring a bunch of gadgets. And uh, in packing for recent trips, I started thinking just about how my gadget packing's changed over the years. Because uh, I used to always bring a laptop and a laptop bag, a charger, maybe a surge protector, a little USB hub, a mouse. Um, i bring a camera for pictures um, and maybe more than that. But these days, I I can't remember the last time I actually brought my laptop even. Even for work trips, I tend to bring an iPad. If I know I'm going to type a lot, I'll bring a Bluetooth keyboard. Uh, I don't really bring a camera anymore because for most of those trips, my phone's good enough. Um, I do bring some speakers and headphones just because I like to listen to music. And now I have a bunch of devices that can play those things. Um, but I'm overall, I'm bringing a quite a bit less stuff in terms of the overall volume and size and weight, even if I bring more little things. Uh, in fact, the biggest hassle for me really has been nowadays bringing enough chargers for everything. So I've actually bought a sort of an all-in-one charger that has like four USB ports. that will charge everything at once. And that handles most of those needs. So I'm just wondering, I know this has changed for me over the last five years. So how, what do you pack for tech and how has that changed over the last five or 10 years? maybe even just five years, really.
1: Yeah, the the real big problem for me was always remembering all the various cables. So it is nice in cases where they've sort of standardized on that a little bit, like, hey, you need a micro USB (laughs) cable and that powers a bunch of different devices. Um, and the adapters thing too I still find there are a handful of smaller things that I that I really want like a headphone splitter for example it comes up a lot because I travel with my girlfriend and we like have to plug you know we're trying to watch TV or whatever on the plane and so really handy handy to have one of those I have a little, little tiny wireless router um, the CanX one that's like you plug it into an ethernet cord and like plug it into USB and it, most of the time it doesn't work because I it's you know paid ethernet or whatever and I still can't get around like the paid wireless <laughs> Wi-Fi or what have you. But it's handy to have around. Um, I have a Chromecast sometimes I throw in. But, you know, a lot of it, I have slimmed down a lot from what I used to because I used to try to plan for, like, every single scenario. You want all the different dongles and all the different connectors and, like, everything. Um, I do still bring a laptop most of the time just because I find it easier to do most of my work on that than I do uh, on an iPad or iPhone. Um, But when I did travel last year to Italy, I did not bring a laptop. got by fine with just an iPad and an iPhone Um, but yeah, I have noticed that I used to end up with a shoulder bag that was just sort of overflowing and like packed to the gills. And lately it's been getting smaller and smaller, which is probably good for my back, if nothing else.
3: Well, I've also found that having kids, I have to think on two levels about what I could fit in to one bag. So that's also affected things.
1: Susie, what about you?
2: Um, I like gadgets, too, but I don't really travel with them. Um, If I'm going on a work trip, obviously I'm bringing my laptop. Um, I haven't taken a trip with my iPad in a while, Um, so I usually just take my phone, all the external batteries I can find, and one (laughs) charger maybe two cables, and I always try to bring an extra set of earbuds, because I break earbuds and lose them on trips constantly. But yeah, I mean, going on trips, especially weekend trips, where I just bring a backpack with, you know, a couple changes of clothes and my phone, I try to go as light as I can and just leave it all at home. It'll be there when I get back. If I really need a computer, somebody's got a computer that they'll probably let me use. So yeah, I, I leave it all behind because then, you know, less chance of it getting lost, broken. And the, the the phones have been great for that. I mean, back in the days of the dumb phones, you know, you were totally disconnected. So now I can do everything, almost everything I could do in my computer and take great pictures and stream music from RDO and watch Netflix videos just all on my phone.
0: For me, the thing that, um, I mean, I've got an 11-inch MacBook Air, so traveling with it is not hard. And so, I usually bring it along. Also, because I do podcasting, I, I edit and post the podcasts. I really need to do that from the MacBook Air, so I usually bring it. The weight difference between an iPad and an external keyboard and a MacBook Air is not that great. Anyway, of course, I bring the iPad too. Uh, charging is a big deal. Um, I we got actually a speakers. We got that this nifty charging cord that is both uh, lightning yeah, a Lightning and a micro USB uh, plug, which is great because it'll charge my iPad and iPhone and my Kindle. Um, which is really great. I've got a, a Kensington um, external battery that you you know you charge with USB and then you attached a USB cord to it and it'll charge anything. And I use that rather than like a battery case on my iPhone. I just keep that around and if my iPhone or iPad ends up in dire straits, I just uh, stick the battery in my back pocket and run the cord to my front pocket and half an hour later the you know it's charged up my phone. And then I've got a brick, a power brick that has. It plugs into one outlet and it's got uh, three outlet plugs on it and two USB and I usually take that with us on trips because we have a lot of stuff that we have to charge. Uh, but it's nice to reduce the number of cables. And that's, you know, that's about it. So, you know, I end up with some devices and a charger and a brick. And and I usually am good to go with those. It's not it's not quite as bad. I don't attach... I used to bring like uh, HDMI adapters and things like that. So if, what, at the hotel has an HDTV in it, I can plug in, I can watch TV. It's like, you know, those retina displays on, on, on these devices. I'm happy to watch TV on my iPad. I don't need to go video out anywhere. And so I don't, when I'm on a business trip, I just, you know, if I want to watch a video, I'll watch it on my iPad. I won't even bother with the TV in the, in the hotel room. Does that satisfy you, Dan?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was focusing on all just how the technology has changed and things I'm, I'm taking less of because I don't need them as much, but Dan brings up an excellent point that like him, I used to always bring everything that might possibly be needed at any point. Um, but maybe it just comes with age or experience or kids. But now, like Dan, I'm kind of like, well, eh, if I need that, something's gone really wrong and there's going to be other problems too. <laughs> or somebody will lend me their computer. or You can, or their you can always adapter. go buy a cord right.
2: if you
1: really need it. Right,
3: right. Yeah. There's a Radio Shack everywhere.
2: Yeah, yeah I just now. got sick of carrying stuff that I didn't end up using. Yeah, yep,
3: exactly. So it makes a big yeah. difference. I used yeah, to go through and say, "Have I used this in any of the last dozen trips?" <laughs> no. That's,
0: that's actually why I don't bring one of those little adapters that I used to bring, like an, uh, an Airport Express, so that if you had a wired internet connection in your hotel room, you could turn it into a wireless. I don't bring that anymore because occasionally I run into that, but I don't want to carry an extra thing. And if I get in that situation, I will just use the data on my phone. And yeah, I do the I I use tethering. Yeah, and right. Well, those. and
3: also, I mean, the hotel Wi-Fi. I don't know about. All of you but it's truly totally very bad. Well, you know, it's it's way better than it used to be though. I mean, I remember five, or ten years ago, you go to a hotel, if it had Wi Fi, you're lucky to even get, you know, a trickle connection. And lately it's been pretty good for me.
2: Yeah, and with the LTE devices, like yeah. a lot of times that's faster than the Wi Fi. Yeah. So don't yep. yeah. 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 bother. Need, need a bigger
1: data plan on my phone, that's all. Well, uh, we've wrapped up our four primary topics. I think we got a little bit of time left for our special bonus topic. And this is a, this is a personal one for me. It's, it's just turning into spring around here. I know you guys don't really have seasons the way we do out on, on the East Coast here. And as spring, I'm being hit with the seasonal allergies, the sneezing and the itchy eyes. And for me, asthma too, which is awesome. So I was just curious if any of you are fellow uh, seasonal allergy sufferers. Susie?
2: I haven't had problems with the allergies this year, but I have a two-year-old, so I get all the baby germs. Um, he brings it home from daycare. It passes all around our family. And so, yeah, I've, I've got all the, the head congestion I can deal with just from my disgusting baby, like, sneezing in my face
0: every every few hours. <laughs> oh, good times. Good baby times. Those were good. All the yeah. bugs from preschool. I am an allergy sufferer, always been, you will not find me without at least two Kleenexes in my pocket at all times. But uh, this time of year, it can be rough. I've had uh, uh, red eyes and and sniffling, and uh, my wife and my son both were talking about how they thought that maybe they had a cold, and I had to explain to them, no, I think you have allergies. It's, it's a mild, and it just doesn't go away, and I've had it for about a week. I'm like, yes, yes. That would be the the do you see the giant things of pollen out yeah, on the yeah. <laughs> on the on the street in front of our house? That's what that is. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got a little nasal spray that I do sometimes when I'm I'm super uh, miserable, but uh, I'm sniffly pretty much all the time. So yay, allergies. L- let me tell you, it feels dumb to put the air
1: conditioner in the window when it jumps from like like it's like forty or fifty degrees still, but like it makes a big difference for sleeping for me.
3: Yeah. No, I, I have them, but I never had them until I moved to the Bay Area. When I lived in the Midwest, I never had, had seasonal allergies. Here, I haven't. Um, and and something Susie, in the
1: something out there, some of the trees yeah. or something. Yes,
3: and Susie, I just got to tell you, wait till kindergarten and first grade and second
2: grade. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll have better boundaries then, and he'll know that it's not polite to just cough right on people. That sounds like little kids.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a four-
3: really
1: it. that.
2: It's a slow process.
1: Well, as every week, we've been carefully watching the clock, and that's literally all the time we have. Susie Oaks, thank you for being here.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: And Dan Frakes, thank you for being here.
3: Thank you.
1: So, Jason, until next time, from all of us here at Clockwise, just remember, watch what you say, and keep watching
0: the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.